Welcome to the Clever Chance podcast, where our experts discuss pressing issues and trends faced by the business world today. My name is Tom Slate. I'm the Global Program Director for Best Delivery here at Clever Chance, and I bring you now part of a new mini-series, which we will examine the journey we've been on on our Innovation and Best Delivery program. Today, we're going to focus on our journey over the past 10 years on continuous improvement. We will examine the things that have evolved over that decade, look at the lessons we've learned with making such a program like this a success, and talk about what is it like to do process improvement with lawyers, especially on high-end legal advice. I'm joined by a global team uh, from the Americas right through to Singapore and across continental Europe. And my team all have very different experiences and they'll be able to describe what it's like uh, working with lawyers on process improvement. Some of them will be able to compare their previous roles outside of the industry and will certainly touch on the challenges that the legal industry presents to anyone applying process improvement here. My first question will be uh, to Stuart Dean and Jana Hofsgaard. Stuart is our uh, director in Continental Europe. And Stuart, you had a background in manufacturing and financial services before you joined Clever Chance a number of years ago. So what sort of what sort of things have you noticed between applying it in those sectors to applying process improvement with lawyers? Thanks, Tom. Um, yes, I started my continuous improvement career in the manufacturing sector. And it was very common um, to have ample time to diagnose problems, design solutions, and then implement those solutions. I, I would regularly spend a full week running Kaizen rapid improvement events in factories um, with production operators. And even in, when I moved to financial services, running full day workshops with subject matter experts was, was really common. And, and I remember when I first joined Clifford Chance and I was told that I would get just 30 minutes with a group of corporate lawyers to map out a process, diagnose the problem and come up with solutions. So much shorter time frame, um, much shorter amount of time we get to spend with, with, our, with lawyers than in other sectors. That's great. I'm also joined by Jana Hafsgaard, who is our program director in the Americas. Now, Jana, you had a quite a different background as well. You actually came from a consultancy. So have you noticed similar things? I mean, what kind of challenges have you noticed here? Yeah, I would say it's quite similar to what Stu's experiences. Um, from my uh, perspective, you know, when we were hired as consultant, it's a significant cost for the company to hire the consultant. So they will really do whatever it needs for you to be able to deliver this project successfully. So that means that you as a consultant, you will have easily access to resources and people's time. Uh, while working in a role of delivering improvement projects in a law firm setting, it's, it's quite different because you know, their time, the lawyers' times are very valuable and their main focus is delivering value to their clients. But your time is really a fixed cost and much lower than you know, hiring a consultant. So to get that access to lawyers' time and the input that you need to be able to deliver on these projects, you really need to build those trusting relationships where they know that spending that time with you are giving them high value. Because only really then will they be willing to consistently give up the time that you need uh, and come back to you. Um, 
is, is an interesting observation, isn't it, about what what's what has actually evolved? And actually, that's a good opportunity for us to uh, turn towards Andrew and Aryan. Andrew and Aryan have both been working in Clever Chance for uh, a decade or more in in various different roles. Now, Andrew, you're our program director in Asia Pacific. What what type of things have you noticed um, that have changed in our program over the, in the time you've been working with us? Hi, Tom. Thanks um, for that. And hello, everybody. Um, I guess the thing that for me, well, I guess the first thing for me that you know, I've noticed in the change in, change in the program is that you know, it, we, it requires less explanation as to what we do with the continuous improvement team and, and how we can add, add value. Um, you know, I compare that back to when we, when we first started. Um, the, the program internally with the firm has sort of brand recognition um, and the roles that you know, work within the program are uh, well recognised in the firm, and they're no longer a unique and 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 a, and a new thing. Um, and in fact, even though you know Clever Chance has a very long history of of doing this, going back to sort of 2006, 2007, the roles that that that, that, that we've pioneered and and uh, are now in the are now sort of commonplace, we're starting to see cropping up in in the in the industry outside of Clever Chance as well. So it's interesting that you see obviously the engagement has grown, Andrew, but what. What is it? What is it? What type of things have we actually had to do to to build the engagement? I mean, it, it obviously didn't happen from day one. So, is it just been a, a matter of just being patient, as Jana observed, or have we had to be proactive about doing something specific to to get more people involved? I think um, I think you have to be proactive. Um, I mean, the the lawyers take a long while to build up trust, and I think that the the main thing is you need to be able to demonstrate sort of tangible tangible value to them. Um, and I guess the the one thing that, you know, I've noticed in, in sort of the, the work that I've done that really kind of moves the needle in terms of that recognition internally is where you actually start sort of moving away from just internal projects, um, uh, looking at how we can do things internally and start involving clients. And so when we've got clients paying attention to the things that, or the things that we can do, our lawyers very, very quickly start to take notice and, and start to understand the value that we can bring. Um, and now that has been particularly um, sort of prevalent over the last few years when you have a number of clients coming to us asking us for help in these areas. You know, and that whether that whether that be in the formal setting of an RFP where you where you'll have specific questions from clients around, tell us how you're going to deliver the matter, tell us how you're going to provide project management services, tell us how you were thinking about um, how the matter will be delivered in, a, in an efficient, an efficient way. Um, sort of dedicated teams within the in, in the firm um, uh, that, that can do that. So I guess that that would be the most tangible example in terms of you know things that we've done to sort of get get our people engaged. You know we've we've got to the point now where we're actually getting lawyers coming to us and joining our program on a subcommon basis now too, which is quite exciting. You know because we're getting to teach them. New skills and, and and getting them thinking about how they can deliver legal services in a different way, which you know we're quite excited about. Very good. Arjen uh, Arjen Kranz, I'm I'm joined here is uh, in our Luxembourg office, and Arjen has um, has actually switched his career from knowledge uh, into continuous improvement several years ago. Uh, so I had first-hand experience of, uh, of working with lawyers when we first started out. Arjen, what, what kind of changes have you noticed in your time in the program? Thanks, uh, thanks, Tom. Well, it's interesting that you that you bring this up because 
I think in our knowledge management strategy and in knowledge management approach, we didn't build in the, the change management element. Um, and obviously, you need to influence behavior of lawyers. And I think that's a very challenging, um, uh, a, a challenging aspect of the work because um, they're so busy uh, working for clients and they're so focused on their clients that they uh, barely have time to, to take a step back and to look at what are we actually doing, are we doing this efficiently, and how can we improve this. Um, and change management sort of, as of the beginning, almost was a part of uh, the continuous improvement methodology where we always had to say, well, you, you're not, it's not only about finding a, a great solution to a problem, but this solution also has to be adopted by lawyers and actually put into practice. And I think that is a great uh, angle that our continuous improvement uh, program has, has, um, has, has chosen. Um, so, and I see this indeed happening uh, in terms of practical adoption of um, the methodology and the technology that we use, but also lawyers being more engaged and seeing the, 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 the benefits of coming to us, reaching out to us and say, okay, we know that we, that we do this in a certain way and obviously we can improve a few things. Can you help us out? So that's, that's definitely a change that I see, uh, see happening all the time. This, this this sort of change management element in there. That's that's great, I and I I completely agree with you. So about the, some of the really big challenges is around change and uh, widespread adoption and and things like that. Stuart, do you agree with that? Is it is it is the big challenge just about change management in a law firm, or do you recognise other big challenges? The way that um, law firms have traditionally rewarded their lawyers for the work that they do. And in that time, um, by that I mean, um, as we all know, law firms have traditionally given lawyers utilization targets whereby they need to record a certain number of billable hours every year. And, and as a continuous improvement professional, when you talk to a group of lawyers and you tell them, for example, that you can help them carry out the same task to the same level of quality, but in 20% fewer hours, I mean, you, you don't achieve instant engagement um, with that kind of approach. Um, but luckily for us in, in Clifford Chance, the, the, the firm has recognized that there are potentially more effective ways to measure lawyer performance. And we're currently running a pilot in our Middle Eastern offices to understand the impact of removing utilization as a, as a lawyer um, performance metric. Um, and we're going to place the emphasis, more explicit emphasis on delivering value over a wider range of activities, such as client development and continuous improvement. Um, so I'm hopeful that this pilot, as it, when it gets rolled out further, will actually help drive engagement for us in, in, in the CI program. And I've certainly heard more recently that the the change, the mass change to remote working, uh, as we record now, we're, we're unfortunately subject to a, a global pandemic, uh, which has forced everyone to work at home. Actually, it's stimulated an awful lot more work for, um, for continuous improvement team members and, and, and perhaps their colleagues in technology as well. But that's even, that's without the lawyer incentives that you were talking about, Stuart. I'm also reminded, I mean, Jana, your, your program is, is it's only really two years old, maybe a touch more, but you've seen an, an extraordinary growth in engagement in your region, and that's still with, um, when lawyers are still monitored on utilization. So why do you think the engagement has grown so much in that time? Um, 
I mean, if, when you're not actually rewarding them necessarily um, for engagement, what, what's happened? Well, I mean, going back to what I mentioned initially, I but you know, every time you engage with them and you're able to really give them something that wows them, and that is very different from what they normally have been, you know, uh, engaged with through very more traditional law firm roles, um, they will, you know, see that value and want to get back to more. So I think that's really what happened that, you know, our relationship, we built some great relationship with some lawyers and then you know, they tell their friends that also want to take part of that. And then they become, again, um, kind of involved and, um, and again, kind of uh, repeating customer of us. So, so I think it's, it's more about that, that, you know, build those relationships and lawyers, they will talk both when there are, you know, something negative and when there's something positive. And luckily for us, it's been mainly positive. So, so I think that's also been you know, the best way of promotion we can really have is when one happy lawyer tells another one. Mm. So it, it's uh, echoing the, the point you made earlier on about building that trust, uh, isn't it? And trying to find ways to really help the, the client you're trying to serve or the or, or the, the lawyer that's walked into your office and, and, and made that call. Stuart, do you, do you have any examples of how you think you really showcase that a continuous improvement program can add value uh, to a, a legal context? Yes, yeah, so I, I can think of a couple of examples. Um, firstly, we, we have used our continuous improvement program to deepen the um, client relationships that we have with some of our key clients. So, so for example, over a period of about three years, um, the continuous improvement team have designed and delivered a, a program of continuous improvement training for one of our large corporate clients um, across several of their largest offices. So, so we, we listened to the challenges that, the, that this client's in-house legal team were experiencing, and we put together a bespoke program of um, CI training to try to equip them with some of their the tools and techniques themselves, which would then allow them to go away and, and solve the issues that they were experiencing and to drive efficiency in their own processes. So we, we found that the program can really help to develop client relationships in, in, in that way. And the second example is a very recent example of where we've deployed the, um, the CI methodology on, on a current matter. We're, we're currently working with a large pharmaceutical client on a cross-border reorganization. Um, and when we, when we won this work, but before actually starting the, the delivery, we held several continuous improvement workshops with, with our lawyers across Europe, America, and Asia. Um, and, we, and we designed the way in which we wanted to deliver this specific matter. Um, and through running these kind of CI workshops, we were able to think at the outset of the kind of technology solutions, project management solutions, um, and resourcing solutions that we wanted to put in place um, b before we even started work. So that's, that's proved really effective to do that kind of upfront thinking. It, it's, an, it's a good observation, isn't it? Because I remember, I remember uh, 10 years ago when we started out uh, on a process improvement project, 
all we really had uh, by way of solution was the ability to map out and streamline the process process and it was fairly basic but now of course we can bring a whole range of solutions uh, around technology Arjen, i know you've been involved in a in looking at how we do m a and it's not just process improvement there is it i mean there's i wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about what you're doing I think I think basically the good thing is that it, it started off as a continuous improvement project, and I think um, it, it doesn't make sense to start with the solution. You have to analyze the problems first that happen in a process. Um, so what we did is we did a, a very classic uh, process improvement session, just mapping out the process, discussing the pain points, where do we get delays, where are people getting frustrated because things don't work, um, where do we have to do rework? It's the standard. Uh, methodology applied but then we were able to identify 10 pain points 10 key pain points and we were also able to identify 10 solutions which indeed had a very broad range they ranged from say slightly alterations to the process to um, involving our uh, Delhi uh, lawyers in the in the process to have legal project managers doing certain tasks uh, and taking certain tasks away from the managing associate, but also there is a large technology component in there um, uh, using artificial intelligence to be able to identify clauses in contracts in your, in your due diligence, but also to uh, track uh, almost in real time the progress of, of, of a due diligence. So there, were, there was a whole suite of tools that we could apply after doing the, the analysis. And I think that's the that's the, the good thing of, of, of where we are now, is that we use, still use continuous improvement as a starting point. Um, and then we can embed in a good process analysis, we can embed all the technology and, and other solutions that we have. So I think that is a, that's also a big difference compared to where it was uh, in, in, in sort of the old days, so to speak. Jana, would you agree yeah, with, and with, I, with that? Kind of the unique position of CI uh, within our best delivery team is that that we are kind of acting like glue between other stakeholders and tools and solutions, uh, for example, technology and low-cost delivery centers. And you know, we guide in defining the best delivery models for the clients who are doing that. Of course, we've um, we've noticed that thousands of lawyers worldwide and clients have been forced to try to find new ways of doing things new processes because now suddenly everyone's working at home whereas they 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 had been in the offices across the network um so i mean have we been helping people adjust while they've been working from home are there any examples out there perhaps perhaps we can start with andrew um yeah so i mean i think the the, the most obvious example is that clients or groups of groups of people involved in transactions admitted to communicate and exchange information you know in an effective way and so you know what traditionally was being used as kind of deal rooms um you know basically being set up as sort of transaction platforms um and thankfully we've got some technology platforms that can be deployed very very quickly um but just deploying the platform and saying there's a site where we can exchange information and and, and data is is one thing but you know, being able to very quickly understand what the requirements of the matter are um, and being able to put together a, a process um, uh, that supports that, um, you know, is also important. And, and, and the continuous improvement teams and the associated roles or the, in the teams, you know, have a lot of experience in that. So they're able to help with that and they've sort of got templated solutions. So that's the first thing that I would say that we've been able to quickly quickly respond to sort of client needs where, you know, where, where the client may not necessarily have the infrastructure they need to work remotely, we've been able to 
assist with that. I, mean, I guess that's that's the first thing. The second example that that comes to mind relates to pitching to clients. We're helping helping our lawyers pitch to pitch to clients, and we had a recent example the other day where we had a very large RFP response where we had I think eight or nine different um, uh, partners and lawyers on a call pitching to a an indeterminate number of stakeholders on the other end, um, and we knew this was coming, and so. You know, we had a legal project manager effectively project manage how we were going to deliver the pitch all the way through from preparing the materials um, remotely um, to then actually, as we went through the call, and the call lasted about two hours, the project manager had scripted out minute by minute um, what needed to happen. And, and, and then using sort of various instant messaging tools, she was able to, I guess, act like a conductor behind the scenes, sort of moving the bits and pieces around, telling us we were ahead of schedule, we were behind schedule, making sure that certain points were covered, you know, and, and we adjusted the materials and, and what happened as we went through things, depending on what the client was asking, which was, I must admit, a little bit of a scary experience because I'd, I'd never done that before, but it, but it seemed to work really, really well. And, you know, having somebody who was not a lawyer um, necessarily folk, you know, talking about... Um, uh, you know, sorry, focusing on on how we were delivering the materials and, and making sure we were keeping on track, you know, in that environment was was really really valuable um, as well too. So and it, it, I'm not sure it's experience. I want to try and experience too much too much more, but it was it was certainly interesting and, and, and seemed to work very very well. Yeah, I'd agree. It's, I mean, it's certainly a, it's a it's a situation that's put absolutely everybody on their toes. And some a good example there about how a, a continuous improvement professional can try and muck in and add value and help people adjust as well. But it's funny, isn't it? We're going through this suddenly this massively accelerated period of change now where there's suddenly forced engagement from lots and lots of our lawyers and partners and some clients as well. But there's got to be a future out there and hopefully this pandemic won't uh, last forever. Um, I, I wonder though, what what does the future of process improvement behold though? Is, it, is, is there still a future, Stuart? Is, are we going to see something more or are we going to, is this, is this the end of continuous improvement, do you think? No, I, I don't think this is the end of continuous improvement at all like the current pandemic. But I think something that's quite likely as a result of COVID-19 is that cost pressures are likely to increase for many, if not all of our clients. And I think clients will expect us to to demonstrate to them that we are taking their cost pressures seriously. Um, and, and I think that we will be increasingly expected to to show when we're pitching for work and when we're delivering work, how we are going to keep a tight rein on costs without any um, compromise on in the quality of our work. and and. I think, therefore, that our CI capability will be more important than ever in allowing us to to rise to this challenge of delivering work ever more efficiently. Jana, do you agree with that? I mean, is it is it is it just about making things more cost effective, or do you see an alternative role uh, for continuous improvement as well? Uh, yeah, I actually do think that there are opportunities for CI professionals to be able to work more directly with our clients as well to help solve their challenges uh, in the future. Um, you know, you've seen over the last year that client legal departments are really quite big now compared to what they were in the past. And and I think that we could help um, 
you know, help them increase their own efficiency, uh, both when they work with CC, but also more in general. Hmm. And, and Andrew, you talked an awful lot about collaboration tools and, and, and technology. Is, is, is that what you see? Do you see continuous improvement people shifting away from just process and more to the more technical aspects? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, both internally and across clients is something that we're going to see. I mean, we've had a, a really nice example in our litigation practices here in APAC that have it, 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 they've sort of adopted an old way of working by, but by using new technologies um, in so much as they have a, they use OneNote and they have a template for, for the matters that they, they use and all the information is stored in a really, really structured way for every single matter. So all the pleadings are one place, all the evidentiary um, information is one place. And, and so instead of sort of hunting through emails or hunting through the, the document management system, they go to one place where they got all the links to all the information. And it was quite interesting when we were sort of putting the solution together and talking to the one of the partners, you know, they were saying, well, this is the way we used to work. We just used to use physical files. So, you know, instead of having various different tabs in the OneNote, they have physical files for every for, for, for each of the each of the files. They knew which file to go to. And so you know, they're finding that a really, really valuable way. And so even though the older lawyers are having to get used to the technology, the way of working is very familiar to them, but the younger lawyers are really taking to this and, and it's saving a lot of time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think as we bring the clients into this and start moving into sort of online document sort of editing collaboration as well too, which is where I think we're going next with this, you know, it's an exciting time and, and I think there's definite, definite value that a continuous improvement team can add. Interesting. So it, it, there's still a dependence on the lawyers, then, isn't there, Arjun? I mean, what, what, what type of things do we think are that lawyers of the future are going to have to do around continuous improvement? Uh, I think that um, I mean it's it's already happening that law schools uh, provide more and more training on, say, project management in the legal context, um, on continuous improvement, on legal technology, and I think. This will this will only accelerate because the need, as, as Stuart and Jana already described, is 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 only going to increase. Both helping clients with um, uh, doing their work more efficiently, if if, if we can, uh, but also um, uh, lawyers working more efficiently on their mandates uh, for their clients. I think this this trend is only accelerating um, uh, now, and I think. Just for a lawyer to be an expert in law is is, is not sufficient anymore. Um, I think lawyers need more and more to have a wider uh, skill set, um, and that definitely includes um, uh, project management, continuous improvement, and and have a proper understanding of technology. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see this. I don't see this changing. I I, I will only see. I, I see this accelerating actually. To be honest. Thank you, Ian. And I'm mindful of time, everyone. It's, it's probably time to draw to a close. But I, I just wanted to say a big thank you to all four of you. So Jana, Andrew, Ian, and Stuart, thank you for sharing your in, insights about the history of continuous improvement uh, in the legal industry and, and what the future might behold. It does sound like there's an awful lot more work to do, an awful lot more change to come. Thank you very, very much indeed. To those of you who've listened, thank you very much. Uh, you can find out more by logging on to our insights page under the innovation pages on cleverchance.com. More blogs and podcasts and vlogs will follow, so do keep logging on to find out more. You've been listening to the Clever Chance podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast by visiting cleverchance.com and follow us on LinkedIn. Thank you very much. <laughs>